My husband just died. Recent, right? <laughs> or yep, you're making jokes about it. Hi, I'm Tawny Plattis, the witty widow and creator of the new podcast feed, Death is Hilarious. When my husband and fellow creator of the Dirty Bits podcast passed away in November of 2019, I immediately fell into writing and comedy as a way to cope. Now, I'm traveling around the country to interview your favorite podcasters and artists on how they found relief from grief on my new show, The Witty Widow. The podcast is slated for release in 2020. Tune in for bonus shows now, like Monday Morning Maisel, where you can join Midge Maisel and me as we cope with the loss of our spouses and learn lessons about moving through grief with comedy. And also be sure to check out Entertaining Grief, a series where I talk about how watching and relating to movies and shows has been helping me gain perspective on and cope with the death of my husband. Search Death is Hilarious in your favorite podcast listening app or visit tawnyvoice.com slash podcast to subscribe and listen in. We're going to make it through this show. We're not going to get over this show, but we're going to make it through this show together. <laughs> It's Haunted, What Now? I'm your host, Lainey. Season 2 is underway, and I can't tell you how excited I am to bring you some longer stories. That's right, when I announced the Season 1 break, I got a lot of messages hoping that Season 2 might have longer episodes. I'll do my best to make sure that happens, but I'll also need your help. I'll still need your stories, so don't hold back on me, okay? Okay, ready to get spooked? Our first story comes from Sister Frida, who wrote in a terrifying tale about a porcelain doll. I still don't understand why these exist. Please forgive my mistakes. English is not my first language. My dad died when I was 11. Every summer, we went to a little town that has a porcelain doll museum. I loved going there, hanging out with my dad, and I had several dolls myself, but there was one I loved the most. It was resembling an Indian girl with two braids. I kept it on a shelf that was facing my bed. It was pushed into the corner of it. I had it for like three to four years. I didn't touch it even once. I just admired it. Well, as I mentioned, my dad died in December. Fast forward half a year later and it's June and the summer holidays. I'm laying on my bed with my laptop, chatting with my friend at midnight. Both my door and window were open, but it was quiet outside, no wind or anything. And the doll suddenly fell to the floor. I was startled by the noise, but confused since it didn't shatter. The shelf was 1.7 meters high, I think, so I turned off the lights, covered myself in a blanket, and went to sleep, hoping I could anyway. The next morning, the doll was still on the ground, face down, and I started to think, how could it have fallen? 
It was protected from the wind, even though there was none, and a 40-centimeter empty space was in front of it. I got up, shaking, and slowly approached it. I sat on the floor and picked it up. The doll was intact, except for one thing. The left braid was cut in half. Not tore, but cut. I quickly put it away and never touched it again. Not ever taking another look at it. I still don't really know what happened. I tried thinking that maybe it was my dad who was trying to comfort me. But as I grew older, that doesn't seem logical. Why would my dad, who loved me the most, try to hurt my favorite doll that I got from him? So, here are the other two stories I promised. So, prior to this story, I have to tell that sometimes the female members of my mom's side of the family get powers. Uh, My grandma could heal with her hands, and I'm no exception. Well, was. I've kind of suppressed it. When I was little, I could sense people moving. Like when I was in a room, I got a feeling in my throat that got bigger when the person moved closer and smaller when they moved away from me. And I always looked at the closed door just before someone entered, even when loud music was blasting from my headphones so there was no way I could hear them. I actually didn't think much of it till I casually told someone and they told me I was crazy. That's when I started to suppress it and... I could do that for a while, but a few days after my dad's death, it came back stronger than ever. My brother, his partner, my stepmom and I were in my room at night. They were sleeping there to make sure I was okay because I was mentally unstable. And I get this feeling in my throat again. It felt like someone was pacing outside my door, but I had a glass panel door and the lamp in the corridor was turned on, so I could see that no one was there. I didn't sense anything threatening. I still believe it was him watching over us. This happened three years after his death. I was living with my mom and my then best friend came over. We were talking about paranormal things. She was checking out my lighter collection on my table. Then we sat on my bed still talking when we heard a rattling noise from the shoebox I kept the lighters in. For a few moments, we sat there in complete terror. Then I finally mustered up enough courage to go check it out. All my lighters were pushed to the two sides of the box, except for my dad's lighter, which I kept. It was standing in the middle of it, while the other ones were laying down. Wow, the doll's braid being cut is really weird. You're right, that doesn't just happen. I wonder what kind of message was trying to be sent. I do agree that it doesn't seem like something your dad would do, especially if it held such high value for you. Our next story comes from the Demon Queen Luna, whose experience in a diner has me thankful for Uber Eats. but this just happened and I really feel the immediate need to get this written down. You guys should know that I have had other paranormal experiences and I need to establish that yes, I am a horror writer 
No, I'm not making this up. Otherwise, I'd put this damn thing on no sleep or something. Just an hour ago, I left the movie theater after watching a lighthearted movie. Nothing scary at all. Right after, I went to a restaurant to get some dessert. I had a hankering for a pie. As I was there, I felt this... Nope. I call it a nope because my back arches severely away from whatever is behind me. This nope only happens when someone or something bad is behind me. I don't claim to be psychic, but I am sensitive. Usually, this only happens with living people. I had an art teacher in middle school that followed my class into high school who gave me this feeling anytime he was behind me in the hallway, in the classroom, anywhere. If he was behind me, I'd feel it. Every now and then, I get this feeling and it usually goes away as soon as the person or thing in question isn't behind or around me. This feeling in the restaurant stuck the entire time I was there. I kept getting waves of it and it made me shudder, the kind of shuddering you do when something cold touches your back. Now, let me say that I didn't feel cold, I just felt nope. After I was done, I and the person with me, who I'd been relaying this nonsensical feeling to, went up to the register to pay. As we were up there checking out, I looked at the lady at the register and blurted out, Is this place haunted? I don't go around asking people that shit, I just don't. I don't need to look like a lunatic asking about bad vibes and cornflakes, it's just not something I do. This lady, without skipping a beat, tells me that the other location she works at is. She said she literally watched a printer nearly be pushed off a counter in the back room, and another person there witnessed it too, and it was caught on the security camera. She said she and the person who witnessed it were both working at the restaurant I was at tonight, and she said she was a little worried because she's noticed things now moving around in her home. She asked if it could have followed her, and I told her yes. I said she needed to go sage herself, her home, and the freaking restaurant and tell it to get the fuck out. The entire ride home, I still felt this nope. So bad to the point where I just saged myself, the person I was with at the restaurant, and my whole damn house. I feel so much better after saging. This shit was just too strong not to cleanse every inch of the place, and I feel the compulsive need to share this all with you. Does anyone else get this nope, as I call it? I feel crazy for even sharing this because despite sharing other experiences, I've never really talked about the nope with anyone before, as I think it just makes me sound absolutely off my rocker. I don't know. I'm not sure if I'm looking for validation or closure or what, but geez, that feeling was so strong tonight. I've gotten the note before. In fact, I went to Instagram to share that my house might be haunted. I'm writing this before I record, which means that I will instantly regret sharing this while I'm standing in my booth. There's just something about not being able to see anything around you and only feeling things. I'm in an isolation booth, so my head is completely covered and I can really only see um, everything from the neck down and I can't see around me or to my side. So this is past me saying sorry to future me because the house is for sure haunted and Demon Queen story is just a reminder to sage the house when you get the creeps. 
Now, our next story comes from NGG1988, who had the pleasure of meeting a shadow person. I've been hearing slash reading a lot lately about people having creepy experiences with shadow figures. I don't know why, has there been an influx or something? And every time I do, I think of the experience I had with one when I was 13, so 8 years ago now. So back then, I had just gotten a loft bed. The black wooden one from Ikea, to be specific. Every night when I'd go to sleep, I'd keep the TV on, which sat on my dresser across from the bed, because the noise would lull me to sleep. Well, that night the noise and the light were keeping me up, thanks radiation. So I decided to turn it off. When I did, my bedroom was pitch black, my door was closed, I didn't have any nightlights and no other devices were on. I rolled over onto my side, facing towards the wall and closed my eyes. A few minutes went by and I was still wide awake. I was beginning to get frustrated because I still couldn't fall asleep. Just as I was thinking about this, I got the feeling that I wasn't alone anymore. You know how you can just tell when someone's walked into the room? Almost like the energy or density changes. Well, I had an older sister who had a habit of creeping into my room late at night to steal my stuff, so I thought, okay, it's just Hannah getting something. But when I opened my eyes, my room was still dark. This told me it wasn't her because whenever she'd come in, she'd leave the door open a crack and the hallway light would shine through. Plus, she's loud as hell, although she tried her best to keep quiet as to not wake me up. But my room was absolutely silent. As soon as the realization dawned on me, an overwhelming sense of dread came over me. I knew someone was in the room with me, just as I know my own name. But since the human mind needs tangible proof of everything, I decided to check just in case I was imagining it. If you know anything about loft beds, you know those things are loud as hell when you move since you're basically propped up on stilts in the air. So as I moved, I tried to do so as quietly as possible so that whatever was in the room with me wasn't aware I was there and knew it was there too. When I finally reached the slats and looked down through them, sure enough, there was this black figure in the shape of a person standing in front of my dresser. I straight up knew whatever that thing was, it was evil because A, malevolence practically oozed from it and spread over my bedroom, and B, this thing was literally blacker than the darkness of my bedroom. Like, imagine being in a pitch black room and then a figure materializes no tangible features, just a straight-up, filled-in outline in the shape of a person that is darker than the dark. That's what this thing was. I don't know how, but as soon as I laid my eyes on this thing, I saw it turn its head and look at me. Again, it didn't have any features, so I didn't physically see its eyes looking at me. But it's almost like I could see it or feel it in my mind. It paralyzed me. Then... It began moving up and walking towards my ladder 
like it was going to climb up. I shot straight up in terror, knowing that if this thing got to me, something bad was sure to happen, and reached out my arm to turn on the ceiling fan light. Luckily, it was literally less than a foot away from where I was. I yelled out the guardian angel prayer as fast as I could, my mouth stumbling over the words in my haste, and as soon as I finished, I felt this overwhelming sense of peace and love come over me like I've never felt before, as if something was there protecting me. When that feeling came, all sense of darkness and negativity just shattered. I was so calm and at peace, almost like I'd taken a Xanax, although I didn't know what that feeling was until years later. Lainey here, you need a sound effect, so we got you. Go ahead and play it. I was so calm and at peace that I just flicked the light back off and instantly fell asleep. I haven't seen a shadow person since, but I do feel people or things standing near my bed at night all the time. It'll wake me up, but I'll never see anything. Whenever I feel like I'm not alone, I'll imagine a white light surrounding me and emanating from my body until whatever it is in my mind that it's not welcome and must leave. It works every single time without fail, but the experience I had when I was 13 terrified me, and I hope it never happens again. I'm going to pause the spooky tales so you can hear a word from our sponsors. Okay. I hate the idea of shadow people. I mean, I hate the idea of being in a pitch black room and only seeing shadows with no physical distinction, and I'll kindly pass on that kind of experience whoever is listening in the paranormal world. You said that you envision a white light around you, and that's exactly what I do when I feel the need for extra protection, especially if I'm going antique shopping, which I love to do. A few weeks ago, I was waking up at the same time every night and I kept saying, go back to sleep, it's the witching hour. So I basically scared myself to sleep, which is also one of my favorite podcasts. It works like a charm. Our next story comes from Love Imperfectly, whose latest experience really took a toll on them. A couple years ago, the boy who lived next door to us passed very suddenly. I was anxious and upset and I needed an outlet so I wrote it out, sort of as it was happening, from waking that morning and seeing the police cars and not knowing what had happened, to the coroner's van. It was an awful day. We didn't see the neighbors that day at all. We didn't see them leave. We just knew that the house was dark and later learned that they had gone to be with a local relative. That evening, while walking my dog, I saw their son Devin in the driveway of their house. I walked up to within 10 feet of him and asked him if he was alright. At the time, I still wasn't sure what had happened that morning. He looked at me in a way I can't forget. It was very familiar and warm. Then he was gone. I would learn that he died that morning, which is to say that he just never woke up. 
as a result of complication from a surgery he had some time before. It was sudden and unexpected. So I tried to settle on the idea that I had seen his ghost, which is hard for me because I'm not subject to flights of fancy and I wasn't one to believe in such things. In fact, I saw him a couple of times that first night, though I wasn't sure I believed me. I didn't understand why I was seeing him. I loved him. He was my little buddy who helped me with my chores and he was just a really great kid, but that didn't explain to me why I was seeing him. So that's the story as it was the last time I wrote about it. There's been a lot more to it since and a great deal that I wasn't able to talk about at the time of this first experience. Before I go further, I just want it noted that I'm not sure I'm right about any of this. I'm not sure if my mind is sound anymore and so, well, I'm not sure of anything, but this is a story continued and it is my reality. What I didn't write about then, because I simply couldn't, was that within the year prior to Devin's death, we lost our youngest son. The similarities are remarkable in that the two simply never woke up again. My son had an undiagnosed complication related to Wolf-Parkinson-White syndrome, and we would only learn about it from his autopsy. I know less of Devin's cause of death other than that he had surgery for a benign brain tumor a couple years prior to his death. He suffered a rupture and an aneurysm. I wasn't talking about my son when I first wrote of this experience. I wasn't talking about him at all then. I was just trying to get by. Anyway, it didn't seem relevant to the experience I was writing about, so there seemed no point. I was incorrect. I've carried enormous and crushing guilt since the death of my son. For a time, I just couldn't get out from under it. It was the only thing I could feel. I prayed to die every day. I tried to die, but I had obligations, and so I assumed my life would be hell until the end. My wife wasn't home the night my son died. It was just me and the boys. That night, my youngest came into the room and he wasn't feeling well. He had his friends over that day and I let him indulge in more candy and snacks than he would otherwise be allowed. And so I assumed that that was the culprit. I lifted the covers and let him climb in with me. And when I woke up in the morning, we were back to back and I knew something wasn't right. When I looked at him, I knew immediately that he was gone. My memory that morning is sporadic at best, but one thing remains clear, and that is when one of my older sons came into the room after hearing me scream, that I looked at him and asked, What did you do? I have no earthly idea why I said that to him, but shortly after, I knew that I would never truly understand what it did to him. So the morning that Devin died, the emotion in our house was much greater than I let on. We realized that somebody else, someone we knew and cared about, would walk the same path we walked, and on a more selfish level, we had to live it again. After seeing Devin and accepting that I had actually seen him, I had so many questions. The first was, why me? I didn't understand why I encountered Devin and not my own son. 
But then, at the time, I was rich with my own grief, and I didn't understand much of anything. I would see Devin again, and I guess that's part of the story that I'm here to write out. Sometimes it was just a fleeting glance, like the shadow of someone mocking past. Those times when it was more vivid, I would smell popcorn, which is sort of interesting because I really couldn't describe what popcorn smells like. The connection was that I used to tell my youngest that he smelled like popcorn. It was just one of those silly, nonsensical things you say to a kid to make them giggle. I couldn't process these encounters at first, and I re-engaged with a therapist, although I only ever skated around the issue. I felt I might be losing my mind. I only briefly skimmed the surface of the experience with Bill, Devin's father. One night when we had more than two beers together, it was tactical and the response was enough to realize that he wasn't experiencing the same thing. That made me even more convinced that my mind had broken. But then came that Friday. I don't remember the date. I only know that it was December and it was Friday because I remember being so glad to have had made it one more week. I pulled into the driveway, but I didn't want to go into the house. My wife and I had been having some trouble and I didn't want to continue the argument. That was the evening of the first very real encounter with Devin. I don't know how to explain this and have it make sense. It doesn't make sense. But this is what I remember. I was sitting in the car just letting my mind rummage through the best way to get through the night when I knew that Devin was in the passenger seat. I don't remember seeing him there but I felt him there. I don't know how to explain it. The next thing I remember is a blur, like a flash, almost colorful, like smearing paint across a canvas with your hand, and the blur moved through the front of the car until I saw Devin, as though he were flesh and bone, standing right in front of me, between the car and the carport wall, and he shrugged at me as if to say, "'What's your problem?' That's when it started. I call them ideas because I don't know what else to call them. I didn't hear his voice. I can't remember his voice and I remember being really sad about that. But somehow I heard him. It wasn't my own inner voice. It was just ideas. The first idea was that my oldest son was okay. It's not possible to explain, but it's as if I could see from his perspective and truly know that he was okay and that he understood my outburst that morning. I hadn't ruined him for life and he wanted me to know, but I knew that he didn't know how to tell me. Another idea was that my wife didn't blame me. She assured me of this, but I never believed her. It was my watch. How could I let it happen? She had to hate me. That's how it felt to me and so I was becoming ever more defensive which is why we were having trouble. The idea told me that this was my thought alone and that I was getting angry with her over something she didn't share. It was only in my mind. When I went into the house that night, it was better. I couldn't tell her why, but I felt that things were better. I only recently explained this to my wife and she's processing. And at the same time, I came to know that he was the reason I saw Devin. Devin knows firsthand that he's okay. I don't know why it was him and not my son, 
but I feel like it's okay, as if there's a good reason. Either way, it's the most powerful of everything I felt during these visits. I remember he couldn't stay, and knowing that the words meant a great deal more than just that. There wasn't anything I could have done. He was happy, he loved us, and I became wrapped in this idea. The way we accept any simple reality, there is no question. I don't see him anymore, which is to say I haven't. Maybe I will again. After each image of Devin, I felt like it was the last time, but I've been wrong. It just feels like I won't see him again. In the end, whether this is concocted in my head as some lucid psychosis or whether I'm off my nut completely, the experience has given me a sense of peace. I no longer scoff at the unreasonable expectations of carrying on. I know I need to. So my therapist told me to write this out and if I'm brave enough, I'll send it. I'm not sure I'll share it with him because I'm unclear on the law or if he could have me committed. You have no idea what a regular guy I am. This experience is not in my wheelhouse. Wow, love. First of all, I'm so sorry for the loss of your son. I know the saying goes, a parent should never have to bury their child. And seeing how the loss of a child has impacted my own mother, I can only imagine the grief you feel. I will say that your story is incredible. I think it sends a great message about grief and how it can impact us. I think you were meant to experience Devin's visits, even if you think they were concocted in your own mind. They brought you a sense of peace, which is a gift. Again, my condolences for the loss of your son and for Devin. Hopefully his messages, if they continue, only bring you positive energy and good messages. Okay, well, that wraps up this episode. If you would like to submit your own spooky tale to be read on the show, head to hauntedpod.com and click on the link to submit your story. Thank you so much for listening and joining us for season two. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a positive review on Apple Podcasts or your podcast player of choice. It really does help us out. And thanks to you, our show has made it onto the charts. So thank you very much. You can find us on Twitter at podcast underscore haunted, Instagram at it's haunted what now, or at hauntedpod.com. Producer for the show and creepy tune creator is Nico, who manages We Talk of Dreams. Follow him on Twitter at We Talk of Dreams or visit WeTalkOfDreams.com. Audio engineer for the show is the ever talented Chess Gray, who manages Gray Multimedia. Until next time. Did you hear that? <laughs>